Awesome. Well, thanks for having me, you guys. I feel like I don't need to do too much introduction because I feel like I'm part of the family already. Although it's only the first time you've met me, I have been very connected to the Bakers. Um, I've actually been staying at your house. I'm trying to work out how many times I've been there, but before this building was even happening, I was still around connecting with this church. So I do feel very connected to you guys. So therefore, I am not going to try to build any like pre-rapport like, moments. We're going straight into the Word. Is that okay with you guys? And as we go, I'm sure you'll get to know me and my family. I'll tell a few stories about us and you'll, you'll know what's going on. If we do have the keynote slash PowerPoint working, we do. Amazing. If we go to the first slide, we're going to jump straight in. Uh, and we're going to, just basically the reason why I have the keynote is just so you know that I'm not lying when I'm telling you scriptures. I'm not making it up. It actually is the Word of God. So we're going to get into it. Um, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 3. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. Otherwise, it may eventually turn up there, but that's okay if it doesn't. It's just no stress. Chapter 13, we are meeting where Jesus is being baptized. It's an amazing moment. This is what happens. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Can we just take a moment to sit in that scripture for just a second? I don't know about you, I'm guilty of reading a scripture and then just moving on and go to the next thing. If you were in that crowd that day, you would have been there because you liked John. John was doing some pretty great stuff. You were there. But you didn't know too much about this Jesus character. You see Jesus go into the water, come out of the water, and the heavens literally open up. A bright light is shining on a man. And in the crowd you're thinking, what is going on with that guy? Who is this guy? And then an angel-like dove flies from heaven and lands on the man. Incredible. And then, just to top it off, why not add the audible voice of God? I don't know about you, but I would love to hear the audible voice of God. And he's saying these words that are just so powerful. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I want to ask you a question straight up. Why do you think God was so pleased with Jesus at this point? In chapter 1, it's Christmas time. Jesus is born. It's in a great moment. Chapter 2, we realize that the king, the nasty king, is still after Jesus, still trying to track him down, so they move to Nazareth. And here we are in chapter 3, and Jesus has done nothing of great note. And yet... From the heavens, his father, God, is saying, I'm pleased with you. I want to ask you today, how many times have you heard those words in your life? I am pleased with you. I'm proud of you. I'm satisfied with you. I know those words. I, I, I like those words. It makes me feel good when I hear those words. Let me take you on a bit of a story here in my life. I come from a family of one brother, a mum and a dad. 
My parents are very passionate about sport. To this day, if you go to their house, there will be sport on the TV. It doesn't matter what sport. It could be ping pong, darts, snooker. It doesn't matter. It's on the TV. It was a bit of an introduction for my wife coming into my family. But my dad and my brother are particularly passionate about soccer. Have always followed it. That's the football, yeah. And uh, dad was a Liverpool fan. And so we kind of grew up in this culture of soccer is the thing of our family. So when my brother was old enough to play soccer in a club, he signed up. And he'd been training almost for years for this point. He was ready. But I was like, soccer's not really my thing. I'm going to do some different sports and, you know, that's cool. And yet my brother was playing and just started and all my mates in my class, although I was two years older than my brother, were playing soccer in the same club. So like, Dave, just for the social reasons, just, just play. Just play with us. So I went, okay, fine, I'll, I'll come along. The first year of my soccer career, I could probably say was covered in a word like average. Like I do not remember one moment of that first year. I, don't do, I didn't do anything important, nothing special, Average. That's fine. It was social. Second year comes around and the coach can't do it anymore. We need to find a new coach. Yeah. Yeah, you think, wow. Except my dad's like, well, I love soccer. I'll become the coach. And I don't know if any of you guys have had a parent that leads your team. There's pressure. There's pressure. You should at least be on the starting lineup when, they, you, know, when you get on the field. I was not on the starting lineup. I particularly remember this time where a ball was coming like, you know, super high and I was like, I know my training, dad's, you know, voices in my, in my head, Dave, you can either trap it, kick it or head it back, just choose one of the options. And I remember just looking at it going, okay, I'm going to kick it. And I just went with all my might, just kicked this ball so hard and I just saw it bounce and go way over my head. And I looked over straight away, it was like an instant reaction, you just turned to find your dad. And there he is, just, oh, just devastated. In fact, I probably could read his lips, but I won't repeat it for us here at church today. It hurt my feelings, of course. But there's good news to this story. If you're going to be rubbish at a sport, be in the best team. That's the secret. We never lost in three years. We were this amazing team. This one time we were up 11-0. Yes, 11-0. And my, my friend said, hey, Coach, let's put Dave at the front so we can score today. So patronising. I didn't know that at the time. I was okay with it at the time, but so patronising. So anyway, they put me at the front. The ball comes. It's an easy moment. I reckon the goalie would have been two years old. And it's just a... And it goes in. It's a great moment. My friends pick me up on their shoulders, walk me around the field... It's now 12-0, like, it's not even, <laughs> we're not a grand final here, it's literally nothing. But I remember looking over my dad and he was just cheering, so proud. In that car, that day, he said, Dave, I think the penny dropped. I think you finally got it. I think you're finally a really good soccer player. That wasn't true. <laughs> but he was pleased and he told me many times over the next few weeks, months and years how good I was at soccer, which I was not. But it doesn't just apply to sports, it applies to your job, your family life. We do it spiritually as well. We look for this approval, this well-pleased moment. 
Maybe we've had a really great conversation with somebody who's on a journey of faith and we've had the right things to say and it's been a really great conversation and you walk away going, man, I nailed that. And in your heart and in your head, you kind of look up to the heavens and you're like, hey, Jesus, I must have done you proud today. Like, I, I got the right words and I did really good. Like, you must be impressed with me. Or maybe you run a small group at church and it's growing and Holy Spirit is doing awesome things and God's in it. And you don't need anybody else to tell you you're doing awesome. But again, you, you think to yourself, or you're talking to Jesus and you're saying, you must be pretty proud of me because I'm, I'm nailing this. This is pretty good. Or maybe there's moments in your life where you've taken a step of faith. I remember when I was a youth pastor, we had kids that would do prayer groups at their school. And man, I made the biggest deal of them. You know, get them up on the stage. This kid started a prayer group in their non-Christian school. Oh man, don't we all just love this guy so much? He's not he the best? Everyone's cheering and he's going, I am the best. And that's all good. And I want to say, first up, that these are all great things. And in fact, I would almost say as far as that Holy Spirit inspired these moments and gave these moments to us. But I want to rock the boat today, if that's okay with you. Ah, good. Because when Jesus came out of that water, after being baptised, and God said, my son, I am well pleased, he didn't say it because of what he had done. He had done nothing of note yet. He said, my son, I love you, I am well pleased, because he could see right through the flesh and into the heart. And the heart of Jesus was to mirror his dad's heart. Can I tell you the greatest news you're ever going to hear in life? You can't earn my son, my daughter. I love you. I am well pleased. You have it already. You have it already. There is no physical act, no thing you can do to earn his love, his favour, his pleasure. So, you are never going to hear, my son, my daughter, I saw you today leave that last Tim Tam, and gee, I'm so proud of you. Ah, gee, you're good. Oh, my son, my daughter, I noticed in the prayer meeting you were the most passionate and the loudest of the whole group. I'm so pleased with you. Oh, maybe it's, you know, today I'm here with compassion. My son, my daughter, I am so pleased that you sponsor the most kids. Again, I'm having some fun here. But I want you to hear the heart. He doesn't care about the things, the acts. He cares about the state of your heart. So now we have this foundational truth sorted out. Now that we know that Jesus had this moment of his father saying, I'm pleased, did Jesus then just kick back like I've already achieved all my goals? No, he didn't. In fact, it was a moment that kicked him into gear. It was a moment that he was like, you know what, my father is pleased and now I'm going to do some work, but not to earn his favour because I already have it. In Matthew chapter 5 to chapter 7, Jesus goes through and breaks down a whole lot of things that needed some emphasis, some change. The culture had said a few things about a certain few things, and he was like, you know what? I want to just make sure you know it the way that I want you to hear it. 
And I love this because this helps us understand how to mirror God, because we're to mirror Jesus. So we're going to go straight into the next chapter here, into chap, uh, verse 6, sorry, where he's giving to the needy. I'll read it out to you, otherwise you can read it there, but it's pretty small for you guys over there. Be careful to practice, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Let's look back to that first line there, not to practice your righteousness in front of others. It's worth noting there's actually two versions of righteousness. There's the world's version of righteousness, which is actually to be morally correct or justified, which means to get that kind of righteousness means someone actually has to see you do something and act to qualify whether it was righteous or not. The way the Bible talks about it, the way God talks about righteousness is a little bit different. Let me read it out to you. Being right in the eyes of God, including character, nature, conscious, attitude, conduct, action, and command. Righteousness is therefore based upon a God standard. What he is saying? Not based on what you do, but the state of your heart. Don't let anyone see, because the moment they see, they'll be able to judge whether they think it's righteous or not. Let God do that. It's important for us to understand God's heart because then once we understand his heart, we can mirror his heart. And I want to ask you, sometimes there's things in your heart that God's put in there anyway. So why do you need recognition for that? It's his idea. It's his thought. He put it in there himself. The joy is to outwork that. So my daughters like to go in the car with me to drive and get a coffee. I get a coffee every day. It's a thing I do. Just one. I'm not addicted much. It's just one. The coffee shop is literally five minutes from our house. It's no big deal. But my girls want to come in the car every time. And it's, there's a few reasons why. One reason why is because they know what kind of music we're going to listen to in the car. Now, I don't want you to judge me because my music taste is probably the age of a 13-year-old girl. I, I, you know, I like the Spice Girls. I like Justin Bieber, you know, I like Taylor Swift. And so they know in the car, Daddy's going to put the music on, we're going to pump it real loud, and we're going to sing our hearts out. It's going to be fun. But the more we hang out, the more my girls get to know me, which they know me pretty well, they know my heart, right? They know what I love. And it just so happens that what I love, they love. It's the same with God. The more you hang out with God, the more you spend time understanding his heart, you'll realise you love the things he loves. It rubs off on you. You can't help it. The more you hang, the more you get like him. It's about connection. And as we know, Jesus loves the poor. He talks about the poor so often. But he loves other things as well. And I want to jump into the next one here on prayer. So, let me read it out to you. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. 
Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling on like the pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you even ask him. Again, Jesus is giving us some foundational truth here. And again, we hear a similar language. Don't do it for the approval of man. Don't do it for recognition from man. Do it to connect with me. I don't know if you ever prayed a prayer, maybe in a prayer meeting, maybe at home. And you've prayed hard and you've been quite passionate, quite loud even. And then after the prayer, you open your eyes and you wonder what you actually prayed. And you hope, hope you didn't say, I'm just so hungry, I can't wait for lunch after this prayer meeting. Because your heart wasn't really in the prayer. It was in being in that spot. And then you've prayed other prayers where, again, you almost forget what you've prayed, but you felt the connection to Holy Spirit. You prayed a prayer that mirrored your heart to him. You know when you've prayed, you've prayed with his spirit. And you walk away going, I don't know, God, what I really needed, but I know that I connected with you, and you know what I really needed. And there was connection. Hmm. Let's go on to the next one. And you may hear a little bit of repetition, and that was intentional, I think, by Jesus. Let's go to fasting. When you fast... Do not look, look somber like the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show others they are fasting. And truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that, no, so that it won't be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Firstly, I love the disfigured faces bit. I just think that's hilarious. I don't know if you guys have ever done a fast before. Mine was a fast that wasn't spiritual. Mine was, I had to do fast because my body was not healthy. And had to cut out all these things like meat and certain vegetables and fruits and that kind of stuff. And I promised myself I wouldn't be that guy that brought it up in every conversation. You know, you just, I don't want to be that person. I'm just going to leave it. I failed. In every conversation, it was like, oh, gee, that meat looks so good. I'm fasting at the moment. I don't know if, you, if I told you. Oh, that ice cream at the end. Gee, that looks so yum. Oh, yeah, in three months' time, I'll be able to have some, and I'll really enjoy it then. And you get that face. I mean, I'm sure my face was disfigured. I'm sure it was, oh, if only. And I love this because Jesus is trying to tell us something. He says something three times in a row. When he does that in Scripture, he's really trying to make a point. And maybe humans are a little bit slow. I don't know. I am. So three times in a row, he's like, stop doing things for other people. Stop doing it to be honoured by other people. How easily we could become hypocrites if we did just that. But it's sneaky, right? This, this thing of getting honoured and respected from other people, it's sneaky. Think about this. In a work week... Now, work month. If you come up with a great idea, if you've got a really good plan, it's kind of important to you that your boss knows it was you, right? There is something in it that's like, oh, 
so-and-so is now passed on my bit, but I hope they know it came from me. Like it matters that I'll need, I need promotion from that man and not from God. Or maybe it's even in your household. You get home, you've cleaned up the house, it's looking spotless, and when your spouse or your children come home, you kind of expect and hope they mention what you've done. Come on, guys. You, you saw the house before you left. Look, what, look what's happened. Give me some honour. Give me some respect. Or maybe it's a conversation you've had with God recently. Now, I don't want to offend anybody. So if I offend you, just don't be. Done. But maybe it's a conversation you've had with God where you said something like, hey, God, I'm, I've loved you for a long time and I don't stuff up that majorly. I'm pretty good. So because of that, like, why aren't you coming through in this area of my life? Because I'm, I'm good. Or maybe you're seeing some other person or some other family real blessed and you're seeing the favour of God on them and you've had a conversation and again, it's just between you and God, but you've said, hey, I know some of the stuff they've done wrong. I've seen some of the stuff ups they've done. How can you bless them more than you're blessing me? How does that work? Tell me more. Or maybe it's giving and it's, you've given a great offering or you've done something really awesome you've given and you don't want anyone else to know about it. But between you and God, hey, I gave extra in that offering. You know I did. So that next thing. And you know what? We're all guilty of it. We all are because we're human. And the fact is it started a very long time ago with some friends called Cain and Abel. These two brothers just couldn't get around, well, Cain couldn't get around the fact that Abel's offering was more pleasing to God. Because I've worked real hard, I've, I've done all the things, it looks good, everything's good here. Why is his more appealing to you? It was about a heart condition, right? We knew that back then. And yet all these years later, we are still working the same stuff out. It's not about what you do. It's not the work you put in. It is the heart connection to your Father. I feel like Jesus reads the crowd at this moment and also reads us right now reading these words. And he goes straight into all of this into the treasures of heaven. And I think this is perfect and I needed this. I'm sure you will too. He says this, Do not store up yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But stir up yourselves treasures in heaven where moss and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It makes you relook really at the treasures that we gain here on earth. It makes you think about what's actually important when you're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the work you're doing now. And we value things a little differently. I'm not sure if you picked it up, but in each scripture that I shared, it did talk about reward. Because God knows that we like reward. He made us. He knows we like it. But I want to challenge us to think about reward a little differently. Perhaps we may not always see all the reward here on earth. Perhaps we'll see some of that reward in our treasures in heaven. Today, I do not want anyone to feel offended or 
challenged in a negative way. But I do want us to think a little bit differently about how we see our relationship with God. Because I really want to take a load off your shoulders if you feel like you have to earn that, that you have to work for that. His love and his pleasure comes freely and easily for us. And the more we connect with our Father, the more we mirror Jesus' heart, the more we understand our Father's heart for us also. And the things we do, the great things we do for him, will be treasures in heaven that we will one day see and can enjoy together with him. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for every person in this room. I thank you, Father, that you love us so deeply. So deeply you sent your son to show us the way to even love you more. And so I pray for anybody who feels like they have to work for your love. That you just break them off them right now. Just break it off them right now. It doesn't belong on them. God, I pray freedom over your people today. To love you freely. To worship you freely. To live for you freely. Without conditions, without bondage but in connection. Father, we thank you that you want to connect with us, that you love spending time with us. Help us do that. Help us do that without conditions or works. Help us do it in love. We bless you, Jesus. We love serving you. Amen. Awesome. So today I wanted to give you a little bit of an update from... My world. As you know, I do work for Compassion. I only worked for Compassion for a couple of years. And I love the work because it's about people. It's about children. And I'm a big family man, so I love kids. Very passionate about it. Don't get me started about it because I'll start to cry. So we're not going to do, do that. But I do want to give you a quick update because I know for a lot of you, you actually sponsor children. And I, I want to say thank you, first of all, for what you do. In this season that COVID has brought, there's been a few challenges for our kids. As you know, a lot of churches have shut down in third world countries. Uh, and so the way we actually connect with our, our children now is actually in their homes. And so compassion workers are actually hanging out in their homes and, and doing that, which is, which is great. And what we're finding, a miracle in this as well, is mum and dad is also at home because there's no work. So the whole family is having a little church moment, which is awesome. And we're seeing heaps of people come to know Jesus in those moments, which is really good. But there has been a challenge to this situation, and that is for a lot of kids in the older age bracket, so 17, 18, 19, and 20, have lost their sponsorships over this time. People in Australia have lost their jobs. Things have gone on. Nothing against anybody who's had to give that up. But what it has done is left a massive pool of kids that need a couple more years of sponsorship. We're talking about 1,000 kids a month over COVID lost their sponsors. I want you to understand something. Sponsoring a child is not about the money you give. That is like that much. The life-changing part for a child is knowing somebody here is praying and cheering them on. And to get a letter from their sponsor, or even just to know they have a sponsor, tells them their life is worth it. And that actually breaks poverty. And we see it over and over again. I got to the field right before COVID happened. And the amount of kids that got up and said, 
I got sponsored and I now believe I can be a nurse. I now believe I can be a doctor. I now believe I can be a teacher. And these kids actually go on to sponsor kids in their own communities because they feel that somebody overseas saw their photo and said, you, you're worth it. So I want to ask you, if you sponsor a kid today or you don't, I want to know if you can sponsor a kid for one, two, three more years. It's not a long commitment. It's not an 18-year commitment. It's just a couple of years. But I really believe in the power of these kids being cheered on right to the end and going strong. So if you feel like you could do that a couple more years, I'm going to be in the foyer with a whole bunch of kids there. Uh, come and see me and, um, and I'll introduce you to those kids and we can work through that process. But uh, thanks for having me and uh, I really appreciate your, your time and your smiles and your listening to me today. Thank you so much. Can we stand as we bring our time to a conclusion? There's opportunity this morning. Dave mentioned he'll be hanging around. He'll be speaking at the next service as well, but he'll be just in the cafe, the foyer area. If you'd like to find out more about the work of compassion or um, ways you can be involved in prayerfully supporting, financially supporting, the work that they do, which is a great, a great work, it really is. My wife and I have been personally sponsoring kids as a church, youth groups always sponsor kids through compassion and we love the fact that it's not just giving kids financial help, which is of course a large part of it, but compassion, I mean what's the slogan again, I'll get it wrong, but it's compassion in Jesus' name. Yeah, that's, that's the thing I love. It's overtly, hey, we want these kids. We want to meet poverty, but we want them to meet Jesus. Like that's, that's our heart for them to, uh, to come to know him personally. But just as we bring this time to a, a close, I want to pray for us. I want to bless us as we go. And there is opportunity for us to respond. If anybody uh, would like prayer this morning, in fact, just uh, even as I pray, if the prayer teams could come forward. And there'll be people at the front either side here of the stage. If there's something the Lord is stirring in any of our hearts, and I think that's so important for us to come and not just, you know, a sermon and a service is not a monologue. It's not us sitting there and hearing a message, reading scriptures, but it's us engaging. And it is all about connection, as, as Dave said. And I want you to intentionally ask that question, Lord, what are you saying to me today personally is is there ways i can be involved in this work is there ways in my life that i am living for the the wrong thing i'm storing up treasures on this earth is is there an encounter in my life is there a, a lack of that sense of really knowing the love and the unconditional acceptance of our heavenly fathers and that's such an important foundation what is it that the Lord is saying to us? And if there is some things that you'd like just to come and join with someone in prayer, then there's that opportunity this morning. Just come forward. Our prayer teams would love nothing more than just standing in prayer and joining with you in what the Lord's doing in your heart and your life. But let's pray. So, Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for the words that we've heard. We thank you for your scriptures. And we do ask you that question. 
Lord, what is it that you're saying to each and every one of us today? And may we be a people who not only hear, not hearers of the word only, but doers. People who are, are willing and ready to respond what it is to what it is that the Spirit is saying to us. Father, we thank you for that incredible reality of your unconditional love, that foundation that everything else is built upon us, that you love us not for what we do or what we ever could do, but because of who we are, that we are your sons and daughters. We are the ones that you chose to rescue and redeem, to make a people for your own possession. That we'd know those words, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. May we be a people who know the reality of connection. May we live as Jesus did, only doing and saying the things that we see the Father doing. That's a picture of incredible intimacy. May you be the pursuit and the desire of our hearts and our lives. And may we be a people who put our faith into action, whatever that might look like for us in this season of our lives, seeking you, praying, fasting, and as you've encouraged us to do, to seek first your kingdom, to store up not earthly riches, but the eternal riches in the kingdom of heaven. Pray a blessing upon each and every one of us here as we go from this place into a long weekend. May we go with that reality and assurance of your presence before us, behind us, living in the reality of a God who overshadows us with his goodness and his grace. Thank you that greater is he who is for us than anything that could ever come against us. And may we go forth from this place with that assurance. We pray all these things in your wonderful name, King Jesus. Amen. So please do come forward now if you'd like prayer. The prayer teams are ready. Of course, Dave will head out and you can grab him as well on the way out. But bless you this week. Enjoy the rest of the weekend. Enjoy some sunshine. If the sun is indeed still shining, I shouldn't speak too soon. But we look forward to gathering with you again next Sunday and the trivia night, of course, on Friday. Bless you. Amen.